Welcome to Mothering Earth, your source for sustainable living news. I'm Salwa Khan. Today, we're continuing our look into meat production and the effects it has not only on health, but on the environment. The factory farming system that produces meat for American consumers has been criticized for its inhumane treatment of animals and for the serious damage it does to our air, water, and land. Some of these effects include deforestation, air pollution, greenhouse gases, water pollution, erosion of topsoil, desertification, and climate change. While most people have heard the research that details the damage meat does to our bodies, few people recognize the evidence that shows meat production has serious lasting harmful effects on our planet. My guest Pamela Rice has spent years advocating for a diet that's humane and that acts gently on the environment. Pamela is the author of the book 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. She's the founder and former coordinator of the Veggie Pride Parade in New York City and past publisher of the Viva Vine, a magazine about vegan and vegetarian issues. Pamela brought the Veggie Pride Parade from Europe to North America in 2008. It's something that continues to be held every year in New York, Chicago, Toronto, and Los Angeles. In our last program, we heard about the factory farming system. Today, we'll be looking at how Americans, whether they like it or not, pay subsidies that support the production of meat and dairy. And we'll see how factory fishing works and what's happening to animal life in our oceans. Pamela, welcome back to Mothering Earth. I want to start by focusing on how our government supports the meat and dairy industry through subsidies, which are payments of money. Why should we be concerned about this? The animal production uh, industry is animal food production industry is is getting a pass, and they're also uh, getting a, a huge boosts in various ways, all different kinds of ways. So you can't really keep track of it all, and it's all most of it is under the radar. And um, and a number one, uh, Republicans and Democrats do not disagree on any of it. Right. So you never hear about it in the news. It's not a, it's not an issue. What what is it that we're subsidizing? What are the what are the crops or the? Uh, oddly products? enough, it's not animal agriculture, so we can't say, "Hey, you know, you're subsidizing meat." Right. <laughs> We're subsidizing corn. Right. Now, for the most part, it's corn, but there's there's other grains too. Uh, so but, people say, "Well, corn that that's what's wrong with subsidizing corn?" We and, and in fact, historically, we wanted to subsidize grains because uh, of a a real threat uh, that every society, culture, civilization has always faced is is a threat of famine. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't think about that much, but historically, fa- you know, famine is something to to for everybody to worry about. Um. So we want to have plenty of corn in our silos, right? Well, it's not corn used for cornflakes, as I mentioned before. It's, it's feed. It, it, it's feed. 70% of all the feed, that's a real round figure. I mean, it depends on which grain you're talking about. Um, but generally, it's about 70% of all the grain grown goes to animals. So that lowers 
the price dramatically right. for for uh, the production of animal-based foods. Um, so the guy who has to buy the feed f- to feed, uh, you know, forty or fifty thousand hogs and a big uh, confined animal feeding operation—that's uh, an industry term, CAFOs—they call them. These these factory farms, what we call them. Uh, he's going to get a great price. He's going to get an amazing price, yeah. uh, which, by the way, it also subsidizes people like Anheuser Busch, you know, who make, um, you know, uh, you know, Bud Light, <laughs> right? Because there's a lot of adjunct in corn in beer. It should uh. be malt, but it's they put corn. It's a filler. So that's why you have corn in everything. There's a great movie. I have to mention it as quickly. People should look it up. It's called King Corn. And it's a, an amazing documentary about corn in America. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it really, mm-hmm. corn is another, basically, it's an underpinning. Right. Uh, so we subsidize corn. Okay, there are other subsidies. Uh, we subsidize, um, uh, oh, conservation is huge. There are at least $2 billion a year in the U.S. budget for conservation programs on uh, on f- for farmers and most people these just fly through uh, they're approved rubber stamped immediately because everybody says oh right. conservation programs that's that's great yeah right sounds good well, they spend this two billion dollars growing uh grasses and and uh that are like a filter between natural waterways like rivers and these very um, toxic, essentially toxic farmland, right. fertilizers and, and other um, chemicals, uh, pesticides. You want to keep those out of the waterways. So what you, you, you build these, um, you grow lots of grasses. Well, the farmer actually owns the land right up to the river. So the government will will rent that land and at government expense grow these grasses. Okay. So, and it comes to $2 billion a year. So if you want to just extrapolate like backwards, you say, well, what is all this farmland used for? Seven at the bare minimum, 70% of it is feed that goes to feed, you know, animal feed. Uh, so that people can eat meat uh, you know, vegans should just stand up and say, wait a minute, you know, that, that money, the, the farmer should incur that cost by law. Right. He should, the farmer should be growing this and uh, pass the cost on to his consumers. Right. The whole thing is with, with subsidies is that it lowers the price of the final product. That's the clincher. That's the thing. That's the thing that vegans should be up in arms about. Because what what we taxpayers, all of us, I'm a taxpayer. Uh, what we're all doing is supporting this industry so that cheap meat can get on the shelves. Yeah, I, I recently was reading an article about or why a hamburger costs less than a salad. So so part of these subsidies are uh, direct payments to the farmer for mm-hmm. to keep the price of the commodity at a certain level? Well, they're level. direct 
direct amount of money actually goes treasury checks in the mail. That's the way I put it, because people can relate to that. When you get a refund on your taxes, it says U.S. Treasury up at the top, right? right. Um, that's coming right from the kitty, you know? That's coming right out there. That means that somebody else has to pick up the cost. Right. Somebody else has to pay the tax that you didn't pay. So... Uh, these grain farmers in particular and uh, and farmers that are getting this conservation money. This is big time. This is uh, maybe twelve billion dollars a year. And how do you even how do you even spend that money? How does the government even disperse that kind of money? That is enormous amounts of money. I mean, that is big checks. The, I, um, I was just thinking also of another way in which the government, subsidizes uh, meat and dairy is uh, in the school lunch program where they're buying all these uh, commodities and and serving it to kids so that they can get unhealthy. (laughs) Or I would say that anyway. Absolutely. Thank you for reminding me. These are purchase programs. uh, And the government purchases like a billion dollars worth of everything pork, chicken, milk, obviously, the school lunch milk program, uh, the uh, uh, beef, and and they will tell you, they will, I'll now tell you, they won't even be shy about it. They will say that it's to literally, they say, to shore up prices, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm, I run a, a, a retail store. My husband and I actually r- run a retail store here in New York City um, at the street level. And boy, oh boy, would we ever love it if the government came and gave us, uh, came and purchased a bunch of our products so uh, to shore up prices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> because when there's more demand... Basically, the government is adding demand for something that nobody wants. Basically, uh, they'll eat it if it's right in front of them, you know, and it's cheap. And uh, this school lunch program, it it allows, you know, kids, uh, a lot of poor kids to get a free lunch, literally, and uh, or a very low cost lunch. And what are they eating? The worst things, the worst things in the world. And, and, And then also... Um, you know, when a child gets accustomed to eating certain flavors when they're very young, they will crave that flavor for the rest of their life. Right. Uh, that, that, that is, and that's why McDonald's is so good at, at focusing on children. They, they want to get them when they're young and they will be customers forever. A lot of, uh, worldwide, um, global organizations that are funded, I guess, NGO-type organizations who d- that do scientific studies. This is where I got my information mm-hmm. for my book. And they are basically sounding the clarion call and that we are wiping out our fisheries. And it is it is something called, if you've heard of the, the tragedy of the commons, I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but no. it basically is that you have the ocean and there's nobody 
owns it. So nobody's going to take care of it. You know, if I own a house, you know, I'm going to really take care of it because I, I want to sell it someday. It's valuable to me. I'm going to take really good care. But if you can come along with some kind of destructive fishing gear um, that, that, that uh, harvests a whole bunch of animal fish flesh in an extremely efficient way, and uh, you just gobble that up and, uh, you know, sell it at a profit, and who's going to know the destruction that you did? The destruction is not part of the balance sheet. It, it's not, it's externalizing your expenses. That's what an economist would call it. Uh, where someone else has to pay the price. We'll talk about that and more in a minute. You're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and we're going to take a break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Mothering Earth. I'm Salwa Khan, and on the program today, we're taking a look at what commercial fishing is doing to our ocean's environment. My guest is author Pamela Rice, whose book is 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian. Before the break, Pamela, you made the point that small-scale fishing can be sustainable, but commercial fishing is different because what's changed is that it's not just a few fishermen on a small boat. What, what's changed is these uh, the ship, ships and uh, various technologies, again, technologies that are underpinning and you've got these massive trawlers. I mean, people, I, I saw in a National Geographic, they really showed it with actually a fold-out page so they could get the picture of the entire boat on, you know, on the pages. Uh, and it, 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 it basically is a floating factory. It's massive, gigantic. And then they have these massive uh, nets. And what they do is with sonar and all kinds of high-tech uh, kind of military, uh, what we should call um, technologies, they are able to locate uh, schools of, of fish in, in the ocean, you know, and uh, they come with a net that's literally a quarter of a mile wide, and they, they scoop up everything in its path. And right. it's, it's a cruel death for the fish. We don't, you know, most people don't, worry about cruel death of a fish but it, it everything about fishing is utterly cruel you know you stabbing an a, a fish with a spear or or there's also dynamite there's a million different ways i mean just hooks and lines are cruel yeah. uh so there's these trawlers they are actually making an impact you think, well, the ocean is so gigantic, you can't, you can't really make an impact on the ocean, you know. But, but guess what? We are, we are, you know, eight billion people on the planet, and uh, people in the West mostly eat beef and pork and chicken, uh, but the rest of the world, uh, some of the more in the developing world, it's, fish is much more part of the diet. We're about to talk about trophic levels, so here's a primer on what they are. The trophic level of a fish or any animal is defined by where they are on the food chain. Trophic levels go from one to five. Low trophic level fish would be those that eat mainly plants or plankton, such as carp or oysters. High trophic level fish eat other fish. 
Fish such as marlin or tuna are at a high trophic level. Fishermen uh, have to go out farther uh, to catch smaller and smaller fish. That's basically, you can't get uh, those high trophic, you know, there's a tr the trophic levels of fish where, you know, the top level fish like the marlin or the, or uh, uh, bluefin tuna, these are at the top of the food chain, you know, and fish have very, very long food chains. This is in fact why they're not, it's not, uh, it's not prudent to even eat a, a fish high on the food chain, although those are the tastiest ones, according to fish, fish eaters. But the high-level, trophic-level fish are being, are, are being fished to extinction. They're down to like 10% of their, of their uh, levels. You know, it's very difficult to count fish and to really understand what's going on. Right. Uh, so we're going down, down, down the, the, the food shift food chain, the trophic level, we're going further, further. there's more fish down there. Uh, so we're wiping out the fish. In fact, that the, uh, the higher level, um, the more desirable pred predators, ones. Yeah. That those, then they have less and less to eat. We are actually competitors with these predators, uh, out on, on the sea. Um, yeah, I also have a question about, you know, you mentioned, uh, these big, uh, huge trawlers with big nets. Um, when they're scooping up all these fish, some of them are not fish that they particularly want. So what happens to those? Uh, well, that's, uh, they're called, uh, a global term for that is bycatch. And uh, there are turtles and uh, undesirable fish. And the, the net basically gets emptied out centrally on the deck. And people have to weed out the ones they don't want. Well, by this time, this net, this animal, these animals have been out of the water. They need to be in the water. We all know a fish cannot live out of water. Um, so they're, they're, if they're alive at all, they're hefted. And then they get just, just, just uh, slid right back into the water. Right where they are vulnerable to uh, predators or whatever, uh, and they may not be able to survive. Many of them half dead, fully dead, um, and mangled, and uh, everything. It's, uh, and there's no ethic regarding fish. Uh, I have a whole chapter in my book, Fish Feel Pain, by the way. There's um, many uh, scientific studies that prove, prove that one. Uh, yeah, by, bycatch is, is huge. And some of these animals that are being caught up are facing extinction as well. And the world does depend on fish for uh, sustenance, human beings around the world. And if we kill our oceans, which we're doing, uh, um, we will have a lot of hungry people at our doorstep. Well, you mentioned dredging and longlining. Can you explain what those are? Absolutely. Uh, longlining, uh, maybe 80 miles of uh, baited hooks. Isn't that lovely? Wow. Um, you know, you think about, you know, your uncle who used to go out on the lake and, you know, <laughs> go fishing or whatever. I mean, I'm just, right. you know, painting a picture here. Um, that 
kind of fishing, cruel as it is, I don't approve of it. We don't approve of it. But that is not going to make any kind of difference. It's not going to do anything. Uh, But when you have many, many trawlers all over the world, thousands of them out there in the ocean, and they are picking out these, um, these, these, uh, especially the high trophic animals, uh, swordfish. They're they're going after the swordfish for the most part. And again, these animals are are getting smaller and smaller. The and uh, and the fisherman has to go farther and farther out uh, to to get them. But again, there's a huge amount of bycatch with long lining. I mean, right. anything could go and grab onto a baited hook. And then, I mean, I can't think of anything really more cruel than to be for, you know, a fish being caught by a hook. Uh, That's pretty much up there. Uh, And dredging, uh, this is out of sight, out of mind. Out of, this is sort of what I was describing before. It is, uh, it's like clear cutting the forest. Mm. It's like uh, strip mining. It, is just going in, grabbing what you want, leaving the place in complete, utter destruction, and say, you know, and, and uh, wiping your hands of, of, of all, all of that. You know, oh, I got mine. Uh, and no, you know, and no one is preventing this from happening. Uh, there was some, some video footage that did show the results of dredging that came out, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago. And it was, it, it was eye-popping. I mean, that it's a giant, heavy, heavy piece of metal that's like 20 feet wide, and it, it just drags along the bottom of, you know, the ocean, and it just does, produces destruction the whole way. Uh, and you're able to harvest a lot of fish flesh, and you get what you want. And um, you know who's down there to check. Right. Is, so it's and, it's basically destroying the habitat of all these creatures that live there. Very well put. I should have put it that way. <laughs> yeah. It's destroying the habitat forever. I mean, for a very very long time. Right. And it's. Um, and and I didn't mention subsidies to fishing as well. Uh, fish fishers uh, fishermen are are subsidized as well, especially in industrial countries. And so what you have is uh, these trawlers that are subsidized by governments. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a rubber stamp kind of thing, and then they go to fisheries that are still relatively pristine, which often are on the shores of uh, a third world country. Um, And often that person, uh, the people who run that country are paid off, compromised, uh, corrupt. And it goes on and and ultimately the people, the, the little people, the the people who live in that country who actually subsist on their small time type of fishery fishing, um, you know, the, the, the fish are gone. We've covered a lot in this program and in our last show about the effects of eating animal flesh, whether fish, fowl, pigs, cows, sheep, and goats. 
Many people will tune out this information or perhaps think it cannot be true. Sadly, it is backed up by years of study and a large body of evidence. I'd like to share some of the sources where you can go and see the studies and weigh the evidence for yourself. One reliable source is the Environmental Working Group. Their website is www.ewg.org. They focus on research and education on environmental issues, including animal factory farming, agribusiness, and also on the effect of the chemicals we use in everyday products, such as shampoo or bathroom cleanser. The Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations produced a study called Livestock's Long Shadow, which is easily found on the internet. Just type in Livestock's Long Shadow. This comprehensive study looks at the substantial contribution of animal agriculture to climate change, air pollution, to land, soil, and water degradation, and to the reduction of biodiversity. Another group is the Union of Concerned Scientists. Just type it that into your search field and check out their reports on food and agriculture. You can also start by checking out Pamela Rice's book, 101 Reasons Why I'm a Vegetarian, available at Amazon. Again, the book has an extensive list of sources that you can find online or in a library so that you can make educated choices when thinking about what you'll eat or what you will feed your family. Thank you for listening. This is Salwa Khan, signing off for Mothering Earth.